The following is a paid program. The views expressed are not necessarily those of the management or ownership of KSTPAM 1500 ESPN. The following is a presentation of Cover Your Assets and is offered by Rooker Financial Coaching and Consulting. You're trying to build your income, your business, your life. Challenges are all around you. It seems so overwhelming. People are depending on you. Who do you listen to? Where can you go to find honest, useful information? Todd Rooker. For decades, Todd Rooker has been teaching professional education to attorneys, CPAs, bankers, and financial advisors. Rooker Financial Consulting offers advice and coaching to consumers, business owners, and financial professionals on every topic imaginable. If you truly want to succeed, sit back and find out how to cover and build your assets. Here's nationally renowned speaker and expert getting you on the path to financial strength and wealth, Todd Rooker. Welcome back to my show, my show. <laughs> and just like a week goes by and bam, here we are again. So got a great show, I think, today. Uh, another uh, one of those shows related to business. And if you're not in business, you should be. If you don't have a side hustle, then you should. I listened to a gentleman on uh, Jason's show uh, as I was driving in. Maybe you're still listening, sir. And you were talking about how uh, you can create generational wealth and how you can, how you can succeed in, in uh, maybe buying some investment properties. You need to be aware that when you delve into that, you are in a business. I mean, it, it, it just one investment property, uh, even in uh, the way that uh, that uh, Evan was explaining it, where you can take your lake cabin, that was the conversation, and convert it into something that creates income. Uh, that's a new business. And uh, Jason talked a little bit about, you know, creating a business structure, business structure, meaning an LLC or an S corp or a C corp or whatever structure you choose. And there's a lot to that. I won't touch on that too much, but uh, you do that for one of the primary reasons that Jason brought up, which is really, as he said, the, the, the barrier between you and those who will be your customers as tenants, because it's a liability issue. But nevertheless, you are now in a business, and as the IRS characterizes it, a trade or business. So now you've got revenue coming in, you've got expenses, and presumably you're looking to uh, generate uh, profit above and beyond simply making a mortgage payment. Uh, and, of course, you've got the property that you're hopeful will increase in value while someone else is paying for it and supporting that. So that's a business. So when you think about uh, growing a business, the the question is, whatever business you have, how do you do that most effectively? And and Evan, the name of our show today is. Why are, why are you putting me on the spot like this, Todd? I'm trying to manage your cameras right now. Oh my goodness! It's how oh to it's how to build income for your small or medium sized business. There you go. That's great. And how to best do that? So there's the there's the show. How to how to best. Uh, grow your wealth um, because I think too often people are focused on on income, earned income, and I don't fault anybody for that because that's what you're trained to look at uh, as you grow up, as you go to school. Maybe everybody that you know is is a jobber, uh, and I and I, you know I, I I make these points and sometimes I think they can come off being pretty abrasive to people, and I understand that not meant to be, but it is descriptive, I think. Uh, in that people seek to become 
good practitioners, good employees, but they don't seek to create wealth. And business is the way you create wealth. But only if you create a business uh, properly, because it's very easy and often is many times that a person thinks they have a business when in fact all they really have is a job. And sadly, in some instances, that job is lower paying than if they went to work for somebody else, but they don't have the other pieces that justify taking less money for the work that they do uh, if they were simply an employee for someone else. That's really a travesty, and it's shocking how many small business owners actually have that going on. Uh, also remember that whenever a business is struggling, the first thing the owner does is stop paying themselves. So you would never accept that as an employee or uh, working for someone else. So when I say practitioner, I mean somebody who is in a thing that they do. Maybe they're a dentist, maybe they're a doctor, maybe they're a lawyer, maybe they're a CPA, maybe they're a mechanic, whatever. That's a practitioner. Maybe you as a practitioner, simply somebody who sits on a, on a line, on a production line, maybe who, who builds cabinets uh, like my uh, friends at Danner Cabinets. Uh, that's your practitioner and nothing wrong with that, but that's not the way that businesses succeed. They need practitioners. The business does, but for you as a business owner, you must begin to think of yourself differently than that. And for a lot of people, that's a lot easier said than done because they have grown up or, or have become entrenched in the sense that I do this thing. And so the way I define myself is that I am this. I am a mechanic. I am a, a, a lawyer. I am whatever. And that's, you know, when, when asked that question, you seek to be good at that thing. Well, surprise, surprise, you might be amazed by this, but if you want to build a business, being good as a practitioner isn't necessarily a valued thing when it comes to building a business because if you're focused on that and that alone and not on the numbers and the metrics and the growth and the scale of a business, well, then that business is limited literally because that's the way you think of yourself. So if you want to build a business, you want to concern yourself with being a business person, an entrepreneur who happens to be in a particular line of work, who produces a product or a service, but you're all about, I'm a business builder, I'm a business owner, I'm an entrepreneur. So let me just get into the fundamentals of it so that you understand when I say that you maybe don't pay yourself what the, what the work world would pay you, and you believe that that's acceptable because it's your business. Well, I'm going to tell you that it's only acceptable if you have some other things going on that are making up for that. <clears throat> so when you think about building a business and know that there's people who are in business, maybe you're one of them for many, many, many years, 20, 30 years, their whole careers, and they don't give a thought to the things that I'm about to say. Or maybe they do, but they really don't do anything about it. That's equally bad. What's the difference if you know it, but you don't take advantage of it? So when you go to work as an employee working for someone else, and if you have a skill, if you have experience in something, you're generally getting paid for doing that thing. That's earned income. Earned income. So you go to work, you do your time, you create what you create, and you get paid for that. That's earned income. 
as a business owner, you most likely will get that too, because initially at least, you might be engaged in that thing because you're a one-person show, one-man, one-woman show. And so obviously you want to have earned income that is equal to or in keeping with what that skill or trade should provide in the form of income. And always remember that if you're going to go into business for yourself, most likely, and there's a multitude of reasons why people do it, you know, it might be because uh, of flexibility. It might be because you believe that you want to call your own shots. Um, dangerous concept. And uh, or it may mean that you believe you can make more money and you're you're not being paid what you're worth. And those are just a few of many, many reasons why someone might want to be in business for themselves. But know this. When you go out into the world on your own, you I have a term that's a little crass, but it's accurate. You eat what you kill. So if you don't bring in business, the fact that you happen to be the best at the skill makes very little difference if no one's willing to pay you for it. So you must understand that if you're really good at something, the world has not, you know, circulated in a prolific way how amazing you are. So when you go into business for yourself, you know, you build it and the world comes running. It generally doesn't work that way. You generally have to bring people in. You have to be what we like to call a rainmaker. You've got to bring people in. And moreover, you've got to get them to open up their bank account, their checking account, their check card, whatever method of payment. you got to get them to pay you. And that's no small thing. Kind of reminds me in the in the military where you're trained uh, in special operations, and the people who are in there think that they're they're competing as athletes. But then when it comes to the thing that you're really going to do, kill people, they can't deal with that part of it. And this is a bit that way in that you're really good at the skill, but you're not capable of doing any form of sales whatsoever. Because without the sales, without making rain, you don't have anything. So when you go into business for yourself, yes, you may be the initial practitioner. You may be doing all the things that a business requires. You're wearing all the hats and you're getting paid for that. Not unlike someone who works for somebody else gets paid, earned income. But if you're looking at the business properly, you also hopefully are building a business that has its own value and can be sold down the road for another number on top of the earned income you have been receiving all along. Now, not every business is like that. Not every business can be sold. Uh, many, many businesses are completely dependent upon one or two individuals. And if those one or two individuals go away, there is no business. And so you have to make the decision what type of business you're going to grow or how you're going to grow that business so that you actually can create or not a saleable asset in the business down the road. And we'll talk about what down the road means in a bit. But, like a quarter mile, right? Yeah, like a quarter mile. Well, you know, Evan, it's a good point because because when you think of an as an employee or a practitioner, you really do think long term. Like this is the thing I'm going to do until I retire. 
or until I quit working, uh, whether I've got the funds to retire or not. And that's really not the way you want to look at a business. You want to look at a business as something that creates wealth for you. And you want to look at it uh, in, in, in the sense that you are running a, a sprint rather than a marathon. You're trying to create something in a relatively short period of time. And that relative short period of time for a business typically should be no more than five years. Now, for a lot of people, they'll say, yeah, in 15 years, I'm going to end their business. And to me, that already is a problem. Because when you think that far out, there's not the level of urgency that one needs to be able to create something significant. If you have a timeline of five years, you've got a lot to get done in a short period of time. And every day, and look, when I say this to you, every day is filled and there's never enough time in a day and you're running as fast and hard as you possibly can. Now, look, for a lot of you, you don't want that. And that's okay if you don't want that. That's okay. But that really is the way it is. So when I talk about you, you are a rainmaker, you start a business for a purpose. In many cases, the one thing you have to take away from this is that if you're going to do this, the stability that you had previously or that you might otherwise have when working for someone else, meaning that you go to work, you do your thing, and you get paid a consistent income salary wage for doing it. And if you show up and if you don't get fired, you're going to keep getting that pay. When you go into business for yourself, that same thing does not exist. Someone else is creating the flow of business to keep you busy every day. You've got to now do that on your own. So imagine that if you're in, in a, engaged in something, and you believe if you were on your own, you could get paid infinitely more because the people, the customers who are paying for that service are paying a lot more than what you're earning. Well, one, you probably don't understand all that goes into the cost of operations of a business to actually fulfill. But even if you, even if that's not the case, you know, I've got a client, a good client, Joe Berg owns Always Plumbing. Now, when, when one of his plumbers comes into your home, the billable time for that is $150 an hour, yet the plumber who's actually doing the work is earning $50 an hour. Now, that plumber might say to himself, doggone it, they're making so much money on me, I'm not being paid what I earn. Now, this is different than what the market of employment pays. Be clear on that, because maybe as a licensed master plumber who works for someone else, maybe that number is the going rate, and that's not too dissimilar from what you would get somewhere else. But what does the end customer pay? And maybe you think, I want to earn that money. Well, here's, if you go into business for yourself, here's what you've just done. You've given away the stability and the insurance of getting paid for the hourly time that you put in, you've given that away for the upside potential of making more money. But remember, you did just give away the stability, the consistency, the certainty of getting paid. And so when you go into business for yourself, you make that decision. Now, <laughs> ironically, a lot of people go in for, into business for themselves and they don't even realize that they've made that decision. But oh, you, yeah. Yeah, but oh, you yeah. have. <laughs> well, I mean, and that's the other piece of it, too, where it's like, um, it depends, right? There is a middle ground here uh, where maybe you're not completely hanging your own sign, as it were. You know, uh, franchise model plumbing is mm. a, absolutely a thing 
where it's like I'm going to I'm going to own my business, but I want to latch onto the marketing of one of these big companies rather than doing my own thing. And you're you're straddling that line. And in my opinion, you're probably signing up for the worst of both worlds rather than the best. Of <laughs> I was both just going to say that. <laughs> um, but that that is someone cognizant of that. You know, it's like I'm not savvy at this marketing stuff. All I know is how to how to pound nails into boards or or wrench on pipes. I don't want to deal with that marketing stuff. I'll sign on the dotted line. But now you have someone managing your, what is ostensibly your business and making decisions on your behalf about what that marketing should be and shouldn't be. And hopefully they're right about it. And if they aren't, well, you own the risk, but you don't seem to own those choices that come with the risk. The, the, the th- point that Evan's making is such a very powerful one. One of the reasons that people want to go into it, he called it a, a franchise model. And here's why. Because people who are in the employment world are scared to death of taking on all these things, and, and probably rightly so. Uh, and so they want a well-heeled path that they can run on because they're fearful that they can't do these things. But I've got a little piece of information for you. The franchise fees, I'm going to talk about business valuation later in the show today. When I do business valuations and I pay to replace the person who is running the business, who owns the business, what is left, the gross income that comes in the front door minus all the operational expenses, which now includes the pay to replace the owner, the actual margin or ratio that is left. So when I say, what's your margin? I'm not talking about your gross margin. I'm talking about your true net margin. When you get to the end of that, that might only be 10%, 15%. Well, when a franchise whom you buy your, your well-heeled path from, because that's what you're doing when you buy a franchise, they might say they want 7% of gross as a franchise fee. Well, imagine this. Even if you had a 50% profit, that would be 14% at the end. Well, that's as much money as they would make if they owned the business and you worked for them as an employee, which is what I'm trying to tell you. Yeah. It is basically the same thing. And in some instances, the profit margin, which is a guaranteed protected number that it is not when you're in business for yourself, even if they're in business for themselves. Imagine that at the end result, they've got a 15% of your profit margin or of your gross revenue, rather, forgive me, as a profit margin. And that's more money than they would have made if they had run the whole business with the 500 franchises around the country. If they owned all those franchises, they might not make that margin. And here they're taking it right off of the top, whether you survive in business or not, deal with it. That's what you're doing when you're getting a franchise. That's what you're doing. And so recognize that really you're kind of still an employee when you're in that situation. So back to the point, if you're going to go out on your own, you're calling your own shots. You're the rainmaker in your business. You may also be the person, the jobber, who's the, who's the practitioner. You're doing all of those things at once, and you're completely dependent upon what you bring in the door. Eat what you kill. Now, on the flip side, if I'm an employee, I've given away the upside potential, and I've done that because I want consistency in my life. So when you make that decision that you're going to go into business for yourself, you want to be able to take advantage of certain things that will make your actual earned income 
make it be productive to make you even more money in other areas. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. Hope you're enjoying the show. Does your sump pump run constantly? Do you want to ensure that you never have a damp, musty-smelling basement? These issues are caused by water coming off your roof, draining into your basement. Gutters can resolve these problems. William Foss is the owner of Seamless Solutions. He is honest and trustworthy. He is simply the best. If you need gutters or leaf covers, he is the guy to call. You can call him at 612-834-0664 or go to his website, SeamlessSolutionsMN.com. Are you looking for a bank that supports entrepreneurs like you? If you're searching for a bank to grow with you and your business, I would like to welcome you to our village, Village Bank. Hi, I'm Alicia Webb, President and Vice Chair of Village Bank. I'm honored to lead Village Bank, an entrepreneur's bank that was built by an entrepreneur and for entrepreneurs. Starting a business and then maintaining it requires mindset. It's important for business owners to realize that financial statements aren't just for their bankers and accountants. Knowing your numbers will help build the foundation for you and a healthy and successful business. You don't have to be a financial expert nor a banker, but you do need to understand a few key financial documents and metrics to make your business successful. Follow us on Facebook and LinkedIn or visit us at villagebankonline.com. It takes a village to accomplish your business goals. And be sure to tune in to cover your assets the last Saturday of every month to fill your entrepreneurial cup of ambition and start your Saturday off right with me, Alicia Webb, and our village, Village Bank. Fix Auto has been the collision repair leader in the Twin Cities for over 40 years. Hi, I'm Matt Feehan, second generation owner. Our mission at Fix Auto is to provide you with the simplest collision repair experience anywhere. If you're in an accident and you need help, my team is here and ready for you. You can find us on the web at fixautousa.com. That's fixautousa.com. We are Fix Auto, home of the wow experience. He can lift a bus straight over his head. He can fly around the world in seconds. And he has the power to regenerate entire limbs. Okay, so Jason Walgrave isn't actually a superhero. But once you visit his website to find out what he knows about real estate, you may start to think he's superhuman. That's because at JasonWalgrave.com, you'll find absolutely anything you need to know about real estate in the Twin Cities. Whether you're looking to buy or sell your home, check out JasonWalgrave.com, the number one place for all your real estate questions. Finding a good banker and CPA are like having a good doctor or mechanic. You cannot fully appreciate the value they represent until you're in a pinch and truly need them. However, that's not the time to go looking for one. Instead, you want to position and strategize well in advance for a favorable outcome. CPA Arliss Cleveland of Arliss Cleveland LTD is the CPA firm you've been looking for. As many of you already know, if you're looking for a great CPA, Arliss Cleveland gets my highest endorsement. Arliss Cleveland LTD has now formed a strategic relationship with Village Bank, conveniently located in the Village Bank building, located at 9298 Central Avenue North, Suite 412 Blaine, Minnesota. You can also find Arliss Cleveland LTD certified public accountants and consultants by going to accountingoffices.net or by simply calling 763-786-0639. That contact information again, accounting-offices.net or by simply calling 763-786-0639. You're listening to Cover Your Assets with Todd Rooker. Welcome back. Welcome back, everyone. So what are the things that you want to focus on? Well, 
Certainly you want earned income and certainly you want to be paid as much as you would be paid anywhere else. It's a heck of a drop-off to go into a business, stop getting that income, and uh, put yourself in a compromised financial position. So at the very least, before you take that jump, you better know how you're going to bring in enough revenue minus the expenses that you have so that the income that's left after all of that is as much or more than you would have earned if you had worked for someone else, or certainly at the very least, enough that you can support yourself. And whatever your expenses are, obviously, before you jump off, it'd be great to minimize those expenses so that it's easier to make that transition. But nevertheless, you don't want to put yourself in a compromised position. And after killing yourself for a year and a half, you're now broke with $80,000 in credit card debt. And now you go to back, go back to work for somebody else. That's a, that, that, I think that in people's minds, that's what the fear is right there. That is what they're most concerned with. That's got to be, I, I think that most people, if they, came to you and you said, what's your worst fear? That's going to be the one that they list. It's not necessarily actually truly the worst thing, but it is a bad outcome for us. And it is. And I agree with that. And so that's why you, you have to understand sales. And we'll get into that in a moment. But you have earned income. And let's assume that you have that part of it locked down. The next thing is how to create that business in such a way that's a saleable asset. Now, I've already talked about the fact that there's a lot of businesses. So before you start, you have to do a little research and you have to figure out, is this the type of business that has a sale value? Find businesses in that sphere that have sold for a certain number. And it's not that hard. I've been doing business valuations for a long, long time. Got a lot of certifications to do that. And it's really, frankly, one of the best things a small business owner can possibly do. But you don't need me for that. You can do research yourself online. And you can look at a business. And if you're really trying to trying to figure out some real basic, you know, uh, standards to how to look at it. Consider what the business was doing in gross volume at the time of sale, and then look at what the sale price was, and that'll give you a sense of if you build a business, here's what you're going to have. Now, there's way more to it than that, way more to it than that. But that's at least a basic to say, hey, if I got a a business that does a million dollars in sales, it's worth X or approximately X. And it at least gives you a sense that if I go into, if I venture into this area, I will have something like that. And that's valuable because imagine that I could pay myself 50,000 a year, 150,000 a year, whatever it happens to be. And I can do that for five or 10 years building that business. And then I sell that business and I sell it for a million dollars on top of the earned income all throughout. It's a bit like taking your money and putting it into an investment account every single month that's growing. You're doing the same thing by building that business. And here's the great news. It's happening simultaneously. Now, I will say that you want to know how that business is valued because you can you can build that business in such a way to make it more valuable in the end result. And it's certainly something that you want to focus uh, Focus on. Well, we see this all the time, too, where there's one of those shadowy differences between two businesses that they do the same revenue, they have the same number of employees, but one of them owns the space that they work out of. They own their property and their trucks or, or production or whatever it is, and another company is renting those things or subcontracting those things. Even if both of them are pulling in the same overall you know, revenue versus costs, one of those things has actual 
value outside of what they do. Correct. And one of them is just straight up, you're buying the contracts. Correct. So one's got an income, one's got an income statement, P&L, for those of you who have not heard me talk about this, P&L and income statement, one and the same. And the other business owner has a balance sheet. They both have balance sheets, don't misunderstand. But one has assets on that balance sheet that show that there's value. There's there's even book or bank value where liquidation numbers. And one of them, if they go out of business tomorrow, assets minus the liabilities or loans against it shows that they have virtually nothing. The other one may have three hundred, four hundred, five hundred thousand dollars in just pure asset value. So Evan is a hundred percent correct. And so when you're building a business, you're focused on those things because the value of the business has a, a part of the valuation is are there hard assets? And so if you simply have a business that generates income or revenue and that revenue then is 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 uh, filtered through the costs of doing business and you have a profit margin that's a going concern and that going concern might be worth a certain amount of money but then you add the hard assets that it takes to be able to conduct that business and that increases the value of that business so when you build a business you want to be mindful of these things now if you're in a service business that's hard to do so Evan brought up the point, which is so very, very important. If I have a business, and if it requires a space to be occupied, I want to own the space that my business requires, that it, that it occupies. Now, I can pay rent for that space, or I can purchase that space with the same dollars. One of them builds equity, which goes to the balance sheet to show the value. The other one is simply an expense that doesn't generate anything for me other than a tax write-off on the money that I would otherwise pay taxes on because it would be profit. It's an expense, so I don't pay taxes on that. So that's all you get as a renter. As an owner, you take those same dollars and you, in, you invest those dollars into a building that you will pay for each month in the form of a monthly payment, not unlike you're making the rent payment. And now the business, with the same dollar amount that it spends anyway, is buying you an asset that you will own. Wow. So I can get paid as a practitioner. I can get paid for the sale of the business, the going concern. And I can also accumulate hard assets that are also being purchased and paid for by the business all simultaneously for the same time and work that other people are engaged in, and they only receive the practitioner income. That's a powerful thing. But look around at the number of small business owners who are renting their spaces and who are either in an area or building a business without any mind to how to create a saleable asset, and they're only taking advantage of one of them, never mind the fact that they think they're an individual business. All right, so Todd, I have a question for you. Um, often you you have been on record as saying that you are not a fan of partnerships. Mm. Uh, overall, there there are obviously exceptions and whatever. But when it comes to buying property, if your business is too small to really buy the type of property that you need, does it make sense to enter into a partnership with another business that needs some of that space? Or is it more ideal? I mean, like, anything is more ideal than entering into a partnership. Okay. But if you have to, to buy something versus renting something, is it worth doing as a business? 
Evan. This guy needs to be paid more money. He's 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 perfect sidekick for me. I love. Thank you, Evan. Very good. So so I'll, I'll say right at the onset before I start answering this question in this long winded way that I tend to do. Let's uh, keep it to three minutes and then we're going to take a break. <laughs> All right. Well, so I hate partnerships unless the alternative is I do nothing. Then I like partnerships. Yeah. Because because. The lesser of those options is to do something with a partner, even if it doesn't work out. So remember this. If I buy a building, the reason, the only reason I would take out a partnership, most likely, is because I don't have the income or the credit or the capacity to qualify for the financing on my own. Undoubtedly, that's the reason. Now, the challenge is that when you go to get a loan from a bank, more often than not, They're not taking the two of you together and saying your combined income is how much it it will require for this business. And so we'll give you two the loan together as opposed to one. More often than not, your other partner has to qualify for that loan all by themselves without you. And even though you may be partners in in the form of you're both guarantors of the repayment of the loan, even though your names may both be on the LLC that holds the commercial property that both of your businesses occupy, they're looking to say that one person all by themselves can qualify for the financing on that loan. Now, it's not always that way, but often it is. The other thing is remember that that person who's on the loan with you, even though you qualify all on your own or vice versa, They're a guaranteed tenant, which does make it much easier for that person to be able to qualify. So remember that when you buy a building, any any building that your business occupies, I am always a big fan of buying a building bigger, most certainly, than the space that you require. Now, many businesses will say, well, I want to buy a a building that's big enough that there's uh, room for me to expand. Well, I say that you want to buy a building that is big enough to have a, a, at least one tenant and maybe more. And because of that, you now take their rent money. And remember, prior to you buying the building, it was your rent money too. So you take the two of you, your otherwise rent money, and you now are getting a, bus- a building purchased for you with yours and their rental money. Fabulous. Yeah. I think the expansion plan that Todd is referring to is instead of expanding into that rental space, what you should be thinking about is... When I want to expand, I'm going to lease out the space that I'm in now, and I'm going to be leasing out that space that the other business is in right now, and we're going to buy another building. Correct. Absolutely. Do do the same thing all over again, but bigger and better and bolder. 100%. Todd, let's take a break. It's it's that time again. (laughs) Break. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. Hope you're enjoying. Hey, are you considering something exceptional to set your home apart and highlight its curb appeal? How about the rich look of custom copper gutters? Copper gutters are not only beautiful, they also offer timeless durability. William Foss with Gutter Solutions installed my beautiful copper gutters. I get compliments every day. If you're looking for extraordinary craftsmanship and would like to consider something truly special, call him at 612-834-0664 or go to their website, Seamless Solutions, mn.com ask for billy i have trusted attorney brian aho for more than 10 years to work closely with me to resolve and eliminate debt for many of my personal and business clients aho law office is the go-to firm i choose because brian has always been caring and compassionate with my clients while tenaciously fighting to retain as much of their assets as possible while quickly eliminating their debt brian's extensive experience 
and knowledge of bankruptcy law and willingness to fight allow him to resolve challenges and cases that many attorneys won't. Don't let other attorneys learn on your dime. Rely on the experience of Aho Law Office to help you achieve relief from your creditors. Competent, compassionate legal advocates providing the clarity to protect tomorrow. For more information, call Brian and his staff at 612-271-4047 or email Brian directly at brian at office.com. Again, that number is 612-271-4047. Hi, I'm Kimberly Nibo with the Kimberly Nibo Insurance Agency, serving the community for over 27 years. People tend to be most concerned with price. That is, of course, until something goes wrong. Then the only thing they care about is their coverage. My experience enables me to uncover every available discount. I could save you up to 40% while still offering the proper coverage for the people you care about. Call today for a free review at 763-571-6111 or email me at kim at kimnibo.com. Hi, this is Troy Danner of Danner's Cabinet Shop. My family has been building custom cabinets and countertops for homes in Minnesota for over 50 years. We still make the cabinets the way my grandpa did when he founded our company. My team of skilled craftsmen pride themselves on attention to detail and making sure every element of your project goes perfectly. Give me a call at 763-753-4002 or visit us online at dannerscabinets.com. Mike Overson here of Minnesota Home Talk. With today's housing market, buying a house is a competition. To win in a multiple offer situation, you have to work with a local lender who has the reputation of being 100% reliable. Come to the winning team. Get pre-approved for your loan by one of the top lenders in the nation, the Mike Overson Mortgage Team at Luminate Home Loans. We will help you win. Call me at 612-202-8321. That's Mike Overson at 612-202-8321 or go to applywithmike.com. Todd Rooker here to tell you about the most amazing jewelry store, Golden Treasures, on 805 Grand Avenue in St. Paul. I've known the owner, Todd Gimble, for almost 20 years now, and at Golden Treasures, not only do you get more for less, it's the experience that you and your special person will feel when you walk in the door. Todd truly puts his heart and soul into creating your experience, regardless of how much money you spend. This is Todd's customer-for-life philosophy. Take it from me, there really is no other jewelry store. You can't go wrong with Golden Treasures in St. Paul. 651-227-2711. That's 651-227-2711. Finding a good banker and CPA are like having a good doctor or mechanic. You cannot fully appreciate the value they represent until you're in a pinch and truly need them. However, that's not the time to go looking for one. Instead, you want to position and strategize well in advance for a favorable outcome. CPA Arliss Cleveland of Arliss Cleveland LTD is the CPA firm you've been looking for. As many of you already know, if you're looking for a great CPA, Arliss Cleveland gets my highest endorsement. Arliss Cleveland LTD has now formed a strategic relationship with Village Bank, conveniently located in the Village Bank building, located at 9298 Central Avenue North, Suite 412 Blaine, Minnesota. You can also find Arliss Cleveland LTD's certified public accountants and consultants by going to accountingoffices.net or by simply calling 763-786-0639. That contact information again, accounting-offices.net or by simply calling 763-786-0639. You're listening to Cover Your Assets with Todd Rooker. So, uh, yeah, so I mean, he, Evan uh, brought up some great points. And those points about, you know, a partnership, and he, he is correct. If you buy a building, 
uh, that is large enough for a tenant with the idea that you will expand into it. I would agree 100% that when you are large enough to expand into a bigger space because you have enough gross revenue to justify that new cost, you should then simply keep the the building that you that you own now that you have been paying rent to your own other LLC that holds the building and now you're going to bring in another tenant who's going to take your place in that building and you're going to go and buy an even bigger building that is large enough to house and 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 and, uh, and manage your new uh, requirement of space or, or there's, there's there's an alternate option here too which is um, you buy a building that's big enough for your tenant to expand into. Well, right. You know, when you're when you're moving out of that building, maybe that's because your tenant is saying we're looking for more space. And you go, great. We'll rent you out the rest of this building. and We're going to go buy another one. That's that's absolutely. The, now, the only thing about that, folks, is yeah, you're putting all your eggs in one basket. Diversification, sure. But I mean, you know, I mean, it could work out that way. Um, either way, you always want a bigger building than you require. And you would love to have, you would love to solicit your natural referral sources who may also need a space to occupy as well. And so, you know, that whole concept of a space to occupy, talked about this before, but it's meaningful and relevant here. McDonald's isn't in the hamburger business. The hamburger business simply facilitates the purchase of real estate. Now, Truth be told, McDonald's makes a whole lot of money on their going concern and their franchises. So it's not like they're not making money there. But even if they weren't, imagine this. When you spend a couple, two, three million dollars to buy a McDonald's franchise, and you do, you're not even allowed to own the real estate that sits underneath the building that you're going to build. The franchise or McDonald's corporate, they own that real estate that your building sits on. They have a guaranteed tenant who is paying off some of the best real estate in the best, on the best corners in throughout the country. Just imagine that. You're simply buying them assets that they own with your business that pays for that space. Amazing, guaranteed tenant, also known as a guaranteed sucker. Yeah, well, and, don't buy, don't buy a McDonald's franchise. And, don't and, buy, don't do it. Well, listen, I hear what he's saying, but here's the thing: it is probably, if not the one of the most successful franchises there are. So that ought to tell you a whole lot about the rest of the franchises. <laughs> so, I mean, McDonald's can make money, but most of these franchises, you know, if you buy a franchise, doing it with one, once you replace the the day manager, your job often with somebody else who's a manager, now you're not making much money and you realize that whatever you make, you're going to have to take that times 10 with 10 locations to be able to make the money you want to be able to make. The margins are razor thin. Someone else is setting your prices. It's rough. Yeah. It's real rough. And now, now, now that said, um, they're doing the marketing that some of the small business owners would never do on their own because they wouldn't know to do it or they wouldn't want to spend the money. You know, people who are business owners have to get away from the notion of being cheap and thrifty to some degree because you have to spend money to be able to make money. And for a lot of people, 
That's just not in their wheelhouse. That's their, their brain doesn't work that way. If they can make an amount of money and forego paying any marketing costs or any salespeople, they'll do that. Of course, now the business is doomed to remain the same and most likely decline. Because if you're the only salesperson and you've got a, a, an organization of a certain size, you can only sell so much as the individual person who owns the business before you run out of rope and now it won't go any any farther without having salespeople and marketing expenses thrown in there. And when that does, when you do do that, you might see that as your money to support the cost of your lifestyle and you don't want to do it. So that's what happens to a lot of people. Well, a franchise looks at this as a big business and they spend the money that you otherwise wouldn't have spent. And that's what you're paying for. You're paying for those marketing dollars and then they make profit on top of that. So that's what a franchise is. I'm not trying to say it's bad or it's horrible. It just is what it is. And you just have to know what you're getting into. But if you do your own thing, if you start, if you, you you bootstrap your own deal and you want to make money, then you want to be mindful of these things. And, and those things to me are leverage. There are ways to make more money with the resources that you have to bring to bear. And so if you're going to build a business, you most certainly want to be conscious that the money that you're earning to, to support your own lifestyle, while you're doing that, you're also building the value of a business that has sale value in addition to that. And then number three, if your business requires a space to occupy, and hopefully it does, then your business is rather than paying rent, and initially it may pay rent, but at some point it begins to buy you an asset, and if you're really smart, that asset also is big enough for your logical, natural referral source, so a value add for them to move in with you and for them to move in for you as well, is that you two represent referrals back and forth. Maybe you've got three tenants and you're all in that same game and you guys just created a referral machine between you. It's a value add and those three tenants along with your rent are all buying you a much bigger asset that you will own after you sell the business or when you sell the business. Wow, that's amazing. So you've got to be focused on these things. And so you want to be thinking of, be mindful of, how will you take advantage of these things when you create, build, and grow your business? How will you do it? Uh, can that business own? Should it own commercial real estate? Can you qualify for the loan? So when you build the business, remember that your goal is to scale that business. And often that takes money. And so you always have to be conscious of the financial side. And again, when you're a practitioner, when you're focused on doing good work, you don't recognize that one of the most important things for you as a business owner is to position yourself and your financial side of your life. That's your transparency. The way that you live, the cost of that living in such a way that you have good credit, in such a way that you can show profit, in such a way that you live a modest life so that you can show that you're saving money and you can qualify for loans and financing that will enable you to scale and grow that business as well as purchase real estate. If you can't do those things, then these are great concepts that you're never going to be able to take advantage of. This is what I mean when I say you will become a financial person. You must become a financial person. Well, I'm just a mechanic. I don't need to know that. My CPA handles that. Listen, dum-dum, you do need to know these things. And if you don't, then you're going to just be an underpaid mechanic in your own little business that's never going anywhere. Listen, dum-dum, it's time to get smart smart. Yeah, man, and it is. And, and, and I mean that in a loving way because the 
truth is somebody has to shake you up and say, do you understand what, if you're not doing this, how much you're shooting yourself in the foot? You need to take advantage of these things. So always think of yourself as a business owner, entrepreneur who happens to be in a particular line. Now, the line that you are in, maybe it's something that you knew well because you had experience and you did it for 10 years before you started the business, or maybe it's not. And if it's not, that may be an actual benefit. Because remember that if you're the person who initially is out there selling people on the idea that you're going to do a premium job, produce a premium product or service for them, the onus is upon you to, by God, make that happen. And if you are a solid human being, you will figure out the interworking of that business. You will figure out what it takes to do it, and you will do it in rapid order. So do not be concerned that you don't know anything about X. It doesn't matter. If you are a business owner, you will find a way to do a good job and fulfill on the promises that you make to sell that product or service. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. I have trusted attorney Brian Aho for more than 10 years to work closely with me to resolve and eliminate debt for many of my personal and business clients. Aho Law Office is the go-to firm I choose because Brian has always been caring and compassionate with my clients while tenaciously fighting to retain as much of their assets as possible while quickly eliminating their debt. Brian's extensive experience and knowledge of bankruptcy law and willingness to fight allow him to resolve challenges and cases that many attorneys won't. Don't let other attorneys learn on your dime. Rely on the experience of Aho Law Office to help you achieve relief from your creditors. Competent, compassionate legal advocates providing the clarity to protect tomorrow. For more information, call Brian and his staff at 612-271-4047 or email Brian directly at brian at office.com. Again, that number is 612-271-4047. Hello, I'd like to talk with you about financial coaching. Traditional financial planners help you make decisions about stocks, bonds, and mutual funds with money you already have. That's great, but who helps you accumulate more money in the first place? Who helps you make day-by-day life decisions? Who isn't trying to sell you something? Like, should I go back to school? Am I wasting money on insurance? How to purchase and finance a car, boat, home, lake cabin, or investment property. How to start, manage, and sell a business. It's about making minor errors that become colossal mistakes and cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars over your lifetime. The problem is that you're so busy pursuing your career that you're forced to make critical financial decisions that have a dramatic long-term effect on your finances without adequate research or information. Rooker Financial Coaching is like having a personal CFO for every decision. Don't waste time lamenting the bad decisions of the past or money that's run through your fingertips. Stop procrastinating. Call Rooker Financial Coaching. 763-559-3800. That's 763-559-3800. Call me today, Todd Rooker, 763-559-3800. That's 763-559-3800. Todd Rooker here to tell you about the most amazing jewelry store, Golden Treasures on 805 Grand Avenue in St. Paul. I've known the owner, Todd Gimble, for almost 20 years now, and at Golden Treasures, not only do you get more for less, it's the experience that you and your special person will feel when you walk in the door. Todd truly puts his heart and soul into creating your experience regardless of how much money you spend. This is Todd's customer for life philosophy. Take it from me, there really is no other jewelry store. You can't go wrong with Golden Treasures in St. Paul. 651-227-2711. That's 651-227-2711. Are you looking for a bank that supports entrepreneurs like you? If you're searching for a bank to grow with you and your business, I would like to welcome you to our village, Village Bank. Hi, I'm Alicia Webb, President and Vice Chair of Village Bank. 
I'm honored to lead Village Bank, an entrepreneur's bank that was built by an entrepreneur and for entrepreneurs. Starting a business and then maintaining it requires mindset. It's important for business owners to realize that financial statements aren't just for their bankers and accountants. Knowing your numbers will help build the foundation for you and a healthy and successful business. You don't have to be a financial expert nor a banker, but you do need to understand a few key financial documents and metrics to make your business successful. Follow us on Facebook and LinkedIn or visit us at villagebankonline.com. It takes a village to accomplish your business goals. And be sure to tune in to cover your assets the last Saturday of every month to fill your entrepreneurial cup of ambition and start your Saturday off right with me, Alicia Webb, and our village, Village Bank. Fix Auto has been the collision repair leader in the Twin Cities for over 40 years. Hi, I'm Matt Feehan, second generation owner. Our mission at Fix Auto is to provide you with the simplest collision repair experience anywhere. If you're in an accident and you need help, my team is here and ready for you. You can find us on the web at fixautousa.com. That's fixautousa.com. We are Fix Auto, home of the WOW experience. Hi, I'm Kimberly Nibo with the Kimberly Nibo Insurance Agency, serving the community for over 27 years. People tend to be most concerned with price. That is, of course, until something goes wrong. Then the only thing they care about is their coverage. My experience enables me to uncover every available discount. I could save you up to 40% while still offering the proper coverage for the people you care about. Call today for a free review at 763-571-6111 or email me at kim at kimnibo.com. You're listening to Cover Your Assets with Todd Rooker. Welcome back, folks. So, uh, things that you should be mindful when growing a business. The other thing that I want to say, and we are surely going to run out of time shortly here, uh, is that you want to get a business valuation. Uh, and like, like the home that you live in, there's multiple ways to come about the value of the home you live in. And people have this notion that there's one number, and there most certainly is not. There's an appraisal. There's a, a current market analysis. There's your property tax assessed market value. And it goes on and on. And every one of these things, we could argue, are the right one. It's not that dissimilar with a business. When you go to sell a business, you have a business broker who may assign a value, a listing price. The most accurate one is the one that says that my business is worth worth the most. That's, that's how it works. <laughs> and look, and that's what people are going to say. Uh, and so, yeah, you've got the equivalent of a CMA, which is a business broker who's saying that I'll list your business for this number. And that's because they know what the market or that at least they believe they know what the market will bear. You've also got the bank who's going to do a full blown appraisal, which is a totally different thing. But they'll only lend a certain number on that appraised number. And so there are multiple. You can get an expansive uh, appraisal of the business. You can do that online for, you know a thousand bucks or you can get a comprehensive one that I do that's going to cost you know four grand five grand six grand and uh, that's going to show all of the metrics against the existing market and all those things bottom line is it's all incredibly valuable and useful to you because you're going to use that information to grow that business to enhance its value upon sale and to be able to build and manage that business so knowing those things is so incredibly valuable now the other thing that i'll bring up in parting here 
is that you're building a business, your initial business, as a model or prototype that can be duplicated. And that's what scale means, to grow and to scale. Boom, boom, boom. I create this model. I create this prototype. And it's just like, you know, uh, you know, in, in Detroit, when, when the auto manufacturers create this product, this car that's a prototype, and then they put it into production and they duplicate it over and over and over again. Well, look, they don't make any money building one car. It costs hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars to create that first initial model. But once they do it, they duplicate, and through the duplication, that's where the money is made. Well, when you build your business, you want to be mindful of the fact that you are automating and systematizing every element within your business so that next time around, it can be scaled more readily in a shorter period of time. And so imagine that if you build your business on this side of town, you're always looking to take that same model that is now a functioning machine that runs in harmony, and now you're going to create it across town. And when you do, that new location is going to buy you another piece of real estate. In addition to having more business volume, very possibly more profits if it's run properly, it's also buying you another building on the other side of town. And then you do it again, and you do it again, and you do it again. The problem is for most of you, when you add zeros, you get worried. Don't be worried. This is how we make money. If you want to be in business, do it right. Hope this was useful, folks. Have a great weekend, everybody. Bye-bye. Hello. I'd like to talk with you about financial coaching. Traditional financial planners help you make decisions about stocks, bonds, and mutual funds with money you already have. That's great. But who helps you accumulate more money in the first place? Who helps you make day-by-day life decisions? Who isn't trying to sell you something? Like, should I go back to school? Am I wasting money on insurance? How to purchase and finance a car, boat, home, lake cabin, or investment property? How to start, manage, and sell a business? It's about making minor errors that become colossal mistakes and cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars over your lifetime. The the problem is that you're so busy pursuing your career that you're forced to make critical financial decisions that have a dramatic long-term effect on your finances without adequate research or information. Rooker Financial Coaching is like having a personal CFO for every decision. Don't waste time lamenting the bad decisions of the past or money that's run through your fingertips. Stop procrastinating. Call Rooker Financial Coaching, 763-559-3800. That's 763-559-3800. Call me today, Todd Rooker, 763-559-3800. That's 763 763- Five five nine three eight zero zero. This has been a paid program. The views expressed were not necessarily those of the management or ownership of KSTPAM fifteen hundred ESPN.